Welcome to Voices of Sikaquan. I'm Hannah Floor, and today on the show, we're talking about basketball. Coaches and brothers Dino and Rick Brock are joined by Petersburg High School ball player Devin Guthrie, basketball fan Diane Benson, and Kari Peterson for a conversation about the history of basketball in Southeast Alaska, its importance in indigenous culture, and personal experiences playing ball. The desire to have this conversation was sparked in part by a viewing of the film Alaskan Nets earlier this year. You'll hear the film mentioned in the conversation. The audio for this episode is excerpted from a listening project conversation, which can be found in its entirety at psglib.org. This is Kari Peterson, and um, we're here today at the Petersburg Middle School in Rick Brock's classroom uh, to talk about basketball. And I'll have everybody introduce themselves. We'll start. This is Diane Benson. My second name is Chase. And I am the chair for the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee. Uh, Rick Brock, uh, Petersburg boys basketball coach. I've been in Petersburg for 32 years, coaching the boys team. And before that, I was the Wrangell assistant coach for a couple of years. So 34 years total coaching boys basketball. Uh, I'm Devin Guthrie, uh, basketball player at PHS, and I just finished up my junior year here. Uh, Dino Brock, um, this is my 28th year in Petersburg coaching JV and then varsity, and I spent two years in Wrangell as the varsity girls coach there. So we, I had asked you to come together because we wanted to talk about basketball. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to talk about was the importance of basketball, especially in Native communities. But the new film that just came out, the Alaskan Nets film, really portrayed that nicely. And I think my favorite shot from that film is at the very end when the basketball team comes home. And it's just the shot that sticks in my mind. And the whole community is celebrating and the whole community's turned out to welcome the team back and there's this little old lady sitting in the minivan yelling out the window we're number one <laughs> and she is so into it and um uh, to me that really just captures what the film really set out to show I'm wondering if we can we can start with Rick and um, to discuss the impact basketball has had on your life and the lives of your players kind of what you feel like basketballs but I guess before I even start that I'm wondering so I assume you both played in high school yeah yes and college just intramurals and the city league and things like that we both played almost late 30s or Forty, yeah, playing city leagues and stuff. Um, you know, I fell in love with the game at a pretty early age. Uh, I think I was around eight or nine, as far as I remember, um, and just enjoyed the competition part of it. Um, our family was—I remember sitting around hearing stories about my grandfather playing um, in gyms that would have a pot belly stove at one end and um, you know, falling, crashing into it. And, <laughs> um, the floor being uh, basically just bare wood 
and his knees would be skinned up. And uh, the story was that he would usually foul out by halftime. He was pretty aggressive. Uh, and then hearing stories of my uncle um, and how what a dynamic player he was. And my uncle was kind of funny because he we had we grew up in the and lived in the state housing project and. Uh, he lived in the same building as us, and, and he talked a lot about basketball. We would go out and play, you know, from 8 in the morning on, and we always tried to get him to come out. And he would shoot around with us a little bit, <clears throat> and we finally got him, you know, and, and knowing now, you know, he worked you know, 10, 12 hours a day for him to come home and <laughs> compete against a bunch of high school kids. Uh, but we, we got him to, uh, to play one time, and I was always – we were always told how athletic he was, and not by him, but by other people, and how yeah. he had huge, strong hands. And, and uh, But we finally got him to get on the court, and one of the things they always talk about is how high he could jump. And, uh, we got him on the court, and the first thing he did is he got the ball with his back to the basket, and he jumped straight up in the air, turned around, and with one hand shot about a 10, 12-foot <laughs> shot. <laughs> we all just... Stop! We're like, holy cow! <laughs> and he had to be. You know, I was in my teens, and let's see, he had to be in his you know, late thirties, early forties. And he played for a couple of minutes with us and did some crazy stuff on the court. And then he put his work hat back on and went back in the house. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty impressive. So, yeah. So just one time, but so and he might have done other things with us, but I that one sticks in my mind. We were all just completely blown away. So you grew up hearing all these stories and talk about pride in the communities. Um, when Wrangell at that time, I think the gym might have held 100 people, 150 people, mm-hmm. and you'd have to be there uh, before halftime of the JV game if you wanted to see, because there were so many people lined up to, to okay. come and watch. So you grew up in that atmosphere, and um, that was your dream to play, and so got lucky and played high school ball. And, played throughout college and really wanted to be a coach at a pretty early age and uh, been super fortunate that um, I was hired to coach a basketball and be a teacher and uh, couldn't have asked for a better path in life. And impact of um, not only my my life but my family, my kids have all played, my wife played, um, brother coaches, my sister coached, my cousin coached, <laughs> my cousins all play. I mean, it's, basketball is pretty important to our family. Um, but then I, I, probably the biggest positive of this whole thing is that you get a chance to see kids come back after you've had a chance to spend a few years coaching them and teaching them and see what they've done with their lives and, and where they're at and, and their own families and just the successes that they've had, and you've had a chance to spend a little time with them and get to know them. Pretty special job. And to continue on what, with what my brother was saying, you know, a lot of the same memories. And but like I, I love the fact that you can you get to know kids in a different way. You know, I like like Devin. I would know him as a student. I've had him as a student since he was in elementary school. But then you start going on basketball trips with him, you start. You start getting to know them yeah. in different ways, and it creates a different relationship. And, and to me, that is one of the, the coolest parts about it. Like you talk about the kids coming back, or young adults coming back, and 
and talking to. I just ran into one of my old basketball players the other day and had a great conversation and got to find out what she was doing with her life and how successful she'd been. And I hadn't seen her in years and, you know, they kind of drift away and they come back and it's just, it's yeah. a really neat experience to be able to have those. You know, Our state championship team had two of my two nieces on there. Oh, you know? yeah. Those are experiences you'll never get again in life. Yeah. So, I played against Devin's dad in high school, like we talked about. We talk about that kind of stuff all the time when we're together. So. I had to guard his dad. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you feel basketball's brought to your life, Devin? I, I don't know. It's definitely, had a, definitely a huge impact on just who I am, from both the coaches and then also all my friends and the players you meet, yeah. like here and out of here. You, you, like, you get to really know people out of town, too, like people on the other basketball teams. I have a buddy over in Wrangell, Tyson. He just finished his senior year. He plays basketball. Known him because of basketball. Like, yeah. You just meet a lot of people from him. And I bet your family gets behind you, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> My mom's really loud at cheering. <laughs> <laughs> she always has been. Uh, growing up, I remember hearing a lot of stories from my dad about basketball, him and Eddie Tagabon playing together. Mm. Uh, one story always stuck with me. Whenever they'd have go against somebody really good, they go, they throw Eddie in, they go, Eddie, go foul that guy. And I, was, I thought that was hilarious. I remember hearing a lot of stories about my dad playing, and then I used to always go to the high school games when I was a little kid, either just go mess around, but also watch like the varsity plays. It was just really cool to watch that, and the whole crowd behind them. And then my sister played in high school, and she was on the girls' state championship team. Yeah. And I was, it was cool to watch her play, too. You talk about you know, the region, pride, and I mean, it's a, it's a big area, a lot of different islands, but they're also pretty small. And what's kind of cool is we go on a trip, and I'm talking to, I, I know quite a few older players, and so I visit with them in the stands, and, you know, the Devin's last name of Guthrie, you know, kids, they'll say, well, okay, you got a Guthrie on your team, yep, I do, you know, who's his dad, they want to know the history of the kids, and that happens all the time, you know, there's some Petersburg names that um, people just recognize and know from from their dads playing and their kids playing, and so, and then they'll tell you stories or you get to see the connections. And you know, I'll say, you know, to Devin, hey, this is so and so, and he doesn't know who they are. <laughs> but, well, yeah, we, I, then they'll say, yeah, well, I played against your dad. You know, it's just it's cool those little connections that you get all over the place. It really, I guess if I had talked about the kind of the interest in the game started with my uncle um, listening to him talk about playing, and and back then. When he played, you played in high school, but then when you were done, you played for your your, your community. And a lot of the towns had a handful of city league teams. And I always find it kind of interesting if you go back and look at the records of the teams in the in the 50s and 60s. And I'm not sure if it went into the 70s, but say if Rango came over to play Petersburg, they would play Petersburg High School, but they would also play their city league teams. So it was a um, you know, a big reaching community pride, I mean, you're going to play your high school team, but then you're also going to play, you know, the, the maybe it was the cannery team that, that was the sponsor or whoever it was, and so you didn't just play the, the local high schools, you played against, a lot of times against the city teams too, who were all former players that had competed, so it was pretty cool. Um, started with him, uh, my high school coach had a big impact on me, um, and then I've been fortunate enough when I first started coaching to to be surrounded by uh, 
a lot of mentors who had been in the business for a while. Uh, John Bisson had I he had been coaching here in Petersburg when I was playing. I was coaching a sick at the time that I um, got hired here, and he spent a lot of time visiting with me and talking about coaching. Um, I'd known Davey Omer from uh, playing also, and had a chance to spend time with him. His son played for me. Um, then just a lot of the coaches that uh, I had competed against, um, you, you develop a friendship with them, and even though you're competing on the court, you still spend time uh, off the court. Um, Ray Stokes was my my first coach I worked under. Spent two years with him and learned a tremendous amount. You know, one of the legendary coaches around in the Southeast. Um, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to uh, be able to steal little bits and pieces from many different coaches. I haven't named them all. You know, many in the last you know, 10, 15 years that I've had a chance to work with or against. Um, yeah, just uh, been real lucky. Again, you hear a lot of the same stories, obviously, because we grew up together. I would add one more to that list for sure is Lee Ribbett. Mm -hmm. oh, um, okay. He's a gentleman that worked with me for years. He, like He was my unpaid assistant. and <laughs> I just call my voice of sanity or voice of reason uh, a lot of times. Just so many lessons about how to deal with people, how to... You know, basketball strategies. We spent hours and hours and hours just talking about basketball, and talking about coaching. Yeah. And uh, I learned so much from him. And then the high school coaches, the uh, park and rec coaches, as you're growing up, all 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 those people that add things to to your knowledge. Just uh, you, know, you could name yeah hundreds of people. But when we were younger, the guys who played in the '70s still played against us in oh, pickup yeah. games and stuff in the City League and um, we, like I said we grew up in the state housing and uh, Jeff J. Bush's dad was the caretaker of the place and uh, they had a little court out there and I don't, I don't know how old I was I wasn't very old and Jeff showed me how to shoot and would play horse and play games with us and stuff and then you know, Fred Angerman's the guy that I remember uh, playing he was an outstanding player and in, in Wrangell at that time, and kind of our, you know, the guy you looked at is the Iowa that you own. You know, he scored 30 something points a game. And, and then you uh, get a chance to play against him, and he kind of shows you how to play when you're in high school, and then you compete against him and get out of high school, and you're still playing three on three against him and playing city league and stuff. And so it goes back to that community pride thing, of, you know, kind of passing that knowledge of the game down as you go. Um, Alan coaching against his son. His son's the <laughs> high school coach in Wrangell. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's missing a little bit now. It doesn't seem that the, there's not as much opportunity work and things for the uh, older players uh, to to play against the younger, younger guys players. to kind of show them, you know, that, that pass on that pride in the program and the community, especially the last couple of years. So we hope we get back to that. But that's always helped. Um, Helped me when I was younger, and you know the previous teams that I've had, uh, the older guys come back after they're done playing and, and play, and yeah. kind of pass that on. So we, we get back to that. The 2007 team that we had, I was lucky enough to coach, and we won the state title there. The 1971 team with uh, Davey Omer and uh, Mark Severson, 
they ended up taking second in state. Um, back then, they played a three-game series, and they they uh, lost by you know a, a last-second play. Um, we had some of the guys on the team; their dads had played on that team, and so it was it was extra special for them, you know, to be able to be part of that journey with their kids, and then uh, <laughs> lucky to have a uh, a different outcome at the end. Um, we got jackets that said state champions on them and stuff, and uh, the nineteens that that team is the one that that got the jackets for us. And Aww. I mean, the guys were happy and proud and stuff, but I, that team was was even more so for you know for uh, the team yeah. being successful. So, one of the things I have here is the championship records from nineteen twenty one to eighty five. That was put together by somebody who's really into, of course, basketball, Gil, yeah. Gil Truitt. So that name might be familiar to you. Oh, yeah. And so he put a lot of work into this. And this is Region 5 Southeast High School Activities Association. And it was put out by the tribe in Sitka in 1986. And I've been having a lot of fun with this. I love to look through this. And I don't know a thing about basketball, so if you tell, say something about maneuvers, I have no idea. Um, I never got uh, beyond trying out, I think, <laughs> when I was at Mount Edgecombe. Uh, but the reason why I bring this and bring it up is the history of basketball in the Native community. You know, from the 1920s on, you figure that's even before citizenship, before we even had citizenship and already playing basketball, when the first newspapers were coming out in the turn of the century by, you know, think it people. And what's happening is, is uh, a lot of sportsmanship and, and competition. I think it's natural to have that urge to compete and to show what you've got. But it's more than that because it's the community. And it's also that I feel like it takes away from some of the, the even the pain of what's going on in the community uh, or the outside world's pressures. And people get to be really caught up in that feeling of, of uh, being something, doing something. And being of value to your community. It brings it all together. It's funny how basketball, in my mind, how it does that. Because you're a team, well, you're also a tribe. You know, you're, uh, you're representing your family some, because the family is so engaged. And it's, it's, you almost can't get away from that. And people also have a lot of respect, generally speaking, over the years with... Um, competing against other communities. But there's regional pride, of course. And so I've witnessed that in my life, dated the basketball player in high school, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, the film on Metlakatla, and I lived in Metlakatla, and given the difficulties that they've had in that community because of loss of uh, the fishing industry and things like that, which put more importance on, uh, you know, for the spirit of the people, on basketball. Because this is what shows what your young people can do. 
and who they are and what the community is made of. So that's that was really what I saw in that film. So I hope you guys get to see it. And one of the things that I saw as I'm looking through this booklet, and I had several ones that people that I found that were of particular interest that were names that I felt like everybody would almost know in Southeast. Herb Diedrichson, Roger Lang, um, you know, Archie Kavanaugh, who is who was a saxophonist musician, uh, Giltrud. These were all players, and they really made names for themselves as basketball players. Giltrud taught at Manitoum, uh, Richard Stitt from Klawak, uh, and all kinds of people, and a lot of names that I thought if there was anybody here who watched the film you know, the, the, um, or came from Metlakatla, that there were a lot of names throughout this history from Metlakatla. But if you look at um, Sitka, Juno, Ketchikan, a lot of those places had native players in those teams. And, and I thought, wouldn't it be kind of fun to see how many of them were native players? And uh, during the really good times that they, that particular team had. Well, and I guess, too, one of the things I was wondering was um, when they gave the screening here for the film, they had a trivia question that was who won the first time that they had a state event. Well, that was what I was going to ask oh. them. In 1929, can you answer who was the first All-Alaska Championship? Who won the first? You know, trophies in our case. Exactly. <laughs> it was Petersburg, the Vikings. <laughs> That's been a, it's, it's a, when I first moved here, one of the things that uh, a, a previous coach had, had told me about was the trophy and that how he would get it out every year and show it to the team. Um, so we went a little further than that. We actually had a banner made, and when they changed the gym around, they haven't put it back up, but there's a, I don't know, it must be 10-foot by 6-foot picture of the team uh, for the first 1929 uh, state championship team. They called it a state championship team, but we weren't even a state then. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the picture, um, I believe there are three Alaska Natives on the team. So we had that up in our gym for, for many years. And the trophy is, uh, we have a display case on the way into our, our gym, and we put the, uh, the state championship or runner-up state championship trophies and stuff, and that's, that's the centerpiece, that trophy is. Nice. We're going to have to see that. And if I remember right, because I've, I've talked to people about this, and I, I I know at least one of the players, but it might be another one. I think they had a connection with Kate also. And I might be wrong on that with the, the families. Mm -hmm. um, I might not be 100% correct on that, but it seems that that's what I was told. And they would have played for Petersburg High School? Yeah, and I don't know if the family was from Kate and came over or, or what the... Yeah. Exactly the circumstances well, what I guess what I'm learning through Voices of Sitka Kwan and um, doing interviews is one of the main reasons families came over from Cake was so their kids could go to school here so that they didn't have to go to boarding school. 
Or Wrangell Institute. Yeah. Yeah, which that is where they the would case. have been sent. Yeah, yeah, that might have been the case here. In we fact, uh, but the team in Wrangell Institute, I had a little note about that, um, was considered one of the best teams in the region for all through the 1930s. Okay. They were that school. Sheldon Jackson School had a team. Um, so those were the ones, you know, that might be playing against, like, Ketchikan and Juno. And Ketchikan and Juno, I think, being extremely competitive. But that's big schools. Didn't we go and watch those when we were young? It seems like I remember going to the to the gym out the road and watching them play when we were like, I, my mom worked there. Oh, at the Wrangell Institute? Yeah. Okay. And we would go and watch them play when we were really young. Really? He would remember probably better than I yeah. but yeah. Yeah, okay. just this really small little cracker box gym. I like history. And I see him sitting there like, hmm, <laughs> all before my time. I, I enjoy history a lot. I was really thinking about um, late Senator Albert Kukesh, because he loved basketball. Mm -hmm. And he was a tremendous player. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And he didn't really talk that part up. Yeah. You know, like, he, he, he <laughs> certainly talked up basketball. And, in fact, I went to Manichkam with some Kukeshes. I think he was like a couple grades ahead or something. I do remember him on the court. And the, just the love, like how alive him and the others would be to be on the court. I thought it was just, it's infectious. I think that's part of why I love to watch it. Because, I mean, I don't do sports, but I sure love to watch the enthusiasm of it and the competition because it's so exciting to root for a team and then they're you know and then you're all worked up so yeah, I love that part and then when they win it's like the biggest celebration ever so and I think that's I, I try to uh, convey that to the players that it's a special time playing a high school sport whatever it is mm -hmm. um, of course we get a chance to look at the basketball side of it, but to have your your family and your community and friends come out and support you and how lucky and fortunate we are, especially in Southeast, um, <clears throat> in the small communities, you know, you go to a Wrangell Petersburg game and you know, <laughs> the gym is alive for, you know, three or four hours and uh, how lucky we are, you know, just for us, my brother and I, to be able to, to you know, be a coach and be a part of this whole thing, but for the players to have their communities come out and support them and cheer them on, mm -hmm. win or lose, um, you know, they just, they're behind them, and I think that's a special thing. I try to make sure they understand that, to be uh, thankful and grateful for that, and uh, to uh, appreciate it and, and enjoy those moments when, you know, a whole town is, is cheering you on. Thanks for joining us here on Voices of Sikakwan. The full listening project conversation from which this episode was excerpted can be found at psglib.org. Voices of Sikakwan is recorded and produced on Tlingit Ani, the historical homeland of the Tlingit people, but also the current homeland and the land that holds their future.
Thank you for joining us for Voices of Sitkakwan. This show is a collaboration between the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee, KFSK Community Radio, and the Petersburg Public Library. It is made possible, in part, by a grant from the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the Alaska State Libraries, Archives, and Museums. It is also made possible by the generosity of our participants, including the volunteers on our content committee. We thank them for their enthusiasm and dedication. To participate in Voices of Seat Kukwan, contact Kari Peterson at the Petersburg Public Library. Archives of shows can be found at seatkavoices.org. That's S-E-E-T-K-A voices.org, as well as on Spotify and Apple Media. Gnach Chish. Okay.